Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. I'm always just so blessed to be here with, with all of you because, um, you know, we're sons and daughters in the kingdom and we get to be representatives of the greatest king in all eternity. There is no better king than our king. There is no better king. There is no better king. He has only got your best in mind. Every single thing he's ever said, every single thing he's ever done, has been so that you could be all that he destined you to be. He's never ever put anything in your way to stop you. The idea that God, our Father, is somehow responsible for putting you to the test is an absolute lie. God does not test his people. The devil tests people. The devil tempts and tests people. God does not do that. You know that God cannot be tempted by evil? So why would he tempt you with evil? The Bible says God is good and there's not even one bit of darkness in him. Do you know that if you believe that the God that you love has got it in for you, then you can't call him your friend. You're going to call him your enemy. Is anyone out there? And the, the Bible tells us that you cannot have faith unless you first believe that, number one, there is a God, and number two, that He is one who rewards those who seek Him. Not one who punishes those who seek Him, but many people don't seek Him because why? Why? They're afraid of punishment. Can I open up in prayer? Father, I just thank you right now for every single person here. Lord, I thank you for your word. That your word is like a two-edged sword. And it discerns between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that this morning, that there will be Holy Spirit surgery. That there will be an alignment and an adjustment. That we will walk and grow and be all that you have destined us to be. Your sons and daughters on the earth. Amen. So if you've got uh, your Bible, you can go with me to Romans or you can just look up there. This is where we left off last Sunday. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the what? The sons of God. Now, if you were here last week, you would understand that if I can be a pretty bride, you can be a handsome son. Ladies, have I got an amen? Amen. So if you wanted equality, that's quite equal, isn't it? Isn't that right? I can be part of the bride, and you can be part of sonship. Amen? All right, so at the end of the day, what we have is relationship-based interaction with God. And God wants us to see ourselves as a son of God. Now, the model we have of a son of God fully manifested on the earth is Jesus. And so we are going to take our approach from here. But there's some things you have to understand 
okay, about sonship. So I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about this. So can I go to the next slide? I don't have the little goodies. Okay. The earth is expecting the revealing, and creation is longing for that revealing. So not only are you meant to fulfill your destiny, but all of the planet, all of creation is waiting for you to fulfill your destiny. Yeah, just, I don't know, I've always felt like this, like, there's more. I mean, how many of you have felt that, that's it, you've done everything you can do, you've become everything you can become, or have you felt like there's more? And I've always felt like there's more, right? I've always said, that this can't be it, there must be more. And that's really been what's driven me to seek the scriptures and find out, well, what is this more, and what does it look like? And really, every time, it just comes back to Jesus. The more is Jesus. Can we go to the next one? Sonship has everything to do with the family business. Now, what is the family business, guys? The kingdom. And we've been talking about the kingdom here for a very long time. So the family business is the government of God coming to the earth and being established on the earth through those who are ruled by God. Thank you, sir. Okay. So, the greatest need the world has today is actually the manifestation of the sons of God. Because if the world could see Jesus as manifested all over the earth, do you think we might have an impact? Because if in three years Jesus could turn the world of the day right side up, because it was upside down, then we should be able to turn this world right side up even more now than ever before. Because in the darkest times, the light shines brightest. Have you noticed that? A little light becomes very apparent. And if you've ever had a computer in your room or a little thing in your room with a blue light that wakes you up, a little light can have a big impact. So even if you think you have a little light, which you're wrong because you have a great light, even a little light can be effective in a dark time. So what we need to do is we need to manifest heaven's culture. And this is a very kind of interesting point for me because I think many of us have brought our historical culture into the kingdom and we've tried to make our, histor our historical heritage um, amalgamate with the kingdom of God instead of allowing the kingdom to rewrite the culture that we should be living in. And I feel that this has actually been probably one of the biggest failures of the modern era of church, is that instead of there being a shift from the way that people do things culturally in the world to the way that the kingdom of heaven actually wants things done, we have tried to incorporate and, and kind of make incompatible things compatible in order to keep some of our cultural preferences. And the reality is, it's actually not doing us any favors, guys. Because heaven has a different culture. Heaven is based on the idea that everything that comes out of heaven is meant to come out of love. Nothing is meant to come out of selfishness. 
everything is meant to come out of selflessness. Because love, the agape love of God is selfless. It's not selfish. It doesn't say, for God was so interested in making a prophet that he ended up sending his son. You know, it sounds weird, doesn't it? But yet, he didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. Which means it was selfless, not selfish. Now, if God doesn't act selfishly, and his nature is what permeates, because we would, it would stand to reason that the laws of heaven or the way that heaven operates would be in sync with God's character and nature. Am I correct? Is that, would you agree with that? And so the, the reality is that if that's true, then our character and nature has to have been rewritten by the Holy Spirit in order for us to become compatible with heaven. Now, you might be compatible in your nature, but not compatible in your action. Because there is a gap between what you have deposited in you by the Spirit of God and what you have learned to work out through the expression of that Spirit that is in you. So there's there, what we call that, in a sense, is dissonance, right? There's a, there's a gap between your, who you are and how you act only because you don't yet fully understand who you are. Because I can tell you now, whatever you're struggling with, whatever sin you have, and whatever grudge you're holding, and whoever you're not forgiving, it's only because you don't know who you really are. If you knew who you really were, it would be impossible for you to hold a grudge. It would be impossible for you to not walk in forgiveness. It would be impossible for you to not be super generous. It would, not, it would be impossible for you to sin. Because your knowledge of who you are, it lines up perfectly with who God is. And that's really what a son learns as he grows up. He learns to be selfless, not selfish. How many of you know that babies are a lot more selfish? I mean, we love them. They're cute. Little innocent bundles of joy. When they're sleeping, indeed. But the problem is, have you ever heard the saying, I slept like a baby? That person's exhausted. Isn't it? Every three to four hours. I mean, that's probably the worst thing of, of, like, if you've had kids and then you have a later kid, you've forgotten the punishment you went through. And then you have another one, and you're like, why did I do this to myself? But we love them, right? They're worth it. At the end of the day, they're worth it. Okay? But it would be horrible if our children remained children. If they were 40 and they still acted like a five-year-old, something's wrong. It's okay in the beginning, but it's not okay at 40. Do you understand? So it means that even our spiritual walk, there has to be some growth. Sons don't manifest without deliberate intention to agree with one's identity. You see, a child is always influenced by its situation. But a son 
knows that his position will alter his condition. So who are the sons of God? Well, the Bible tells us. One, it's John 1.11. This is um, where Paul, John is giving introduction to you know, Jesus and his deity. And he says, he came to his own, and his own were the Jews. And his own people did not receive him. Now, did all the Jews reject Jesus? So that statement isn't saying all the Jews were reje rejecting Jesus. The statement is saying that majority of them rejected him. And then it says, but to those who did receive him. So did you receive him? Okay? Who believed in his name. Did you believe in his name? He gave the right. Now, what does the word the right mean? The privilege, the authority, the power, the legal ability. If you have a right, then you've been allowed to. So he gave them the right to become children of God. Okay, now I've got a newsflash. You can disagree with me, but you'd be disagreeing with the scripture. Because the reality is that what this is saying is saying that not everyone is a child of God. You are not a child of God by default. You didn't come out of your mother's womb a child of God. You came out of your mother's womb a child of man. And God made it available through the sacrifice that he made on your behalf to bring you into his family. And that means that you have a choice to choose to become a son of God by receiving Jesus and calling on his name. Does that make sense? Okay. It's a very powerful verse for us. Because those who have been given the right to become the children of God, the sons of God, were born not of blood. Now this is talking about the battle of wills, okay? Not of the will of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man. Did you know your flesh has a will that you don't always agree with? When you put yourself to I don't know, doing something, disciplining yourself in some way. Have you noticed your body fights you? Because your flesh has its own will. Hello? Is that new? Your body has its own will. But you see, it's not the will of flesh that brought you into the kingdom. It wasn't the will of blood. It wasn't the will of man. But it was the will of God to bring you into the kingdom. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. So receiving Jesus gives you the power to become a son of God. But there's a difference between a child and a son. How many of you know that there's a difference between a child and a son? You know, when I, when I address my child as a son, I'm only, it's because he's a male. But traditionally, a son is, an, is a grown-up child. He's a child that can take responsibility. That's why the scripture says, for us a child is born, because a child can be male or female, and to us a son is given, one who can take responsibility. Is this making sense to you? How many of you believe Jesus took responsibility for all of mankind? Okay. So unto us a son is given, and the government, which government is he talking about here? The kingdom of God, right? 
So do you see that even in Isaiah, when it was prophesied about the coming of Christ, it was speaking of a government coming. Of one government that would change everything. Because when there's a good king, things go well. When there's a bad king, things go bad. But what if we had an eternal good king? It would be eternally good, right? Right. So, then it says, the government shall be upon his head. Is that what it says? I'm just trying to see if all of you are reading with me. What does it say? Upon his? Okay. Now, um, am I correct in assuming that we are the body of Christ? And he is the head. Then where would you find the shoulders? Oh. Where would you find the shoulders? So then where does the government rest? Your. It rests on us. We are the body. He's the head. We are, the sh- we are part of the shoulders, are we not? So the government rests where? With the church. Come on now. Okay. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So if there's any dispute as to whether Jesus is God, there it is. Mighty God. Right? Amen. So a child only fully steps into his position as a son when he is old enough to manage his father's estate. Many of you will not give your five-year-old a sharp knife to cut a steak, let alone the keys to drive a car. Am I right? And so in, in understanding that, we need to realize that the father has got a way for us to grow up so that as we grow up, we can take on more responsibility responsibly. Because you can't give someone responsibility when they're not ready and able to be responsible with that responsibility. That's why Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, I want to give you meat, but you're not ready. Even now, I still have to give you milk. Because you are still babes in Christ. Are you listening? See, what do we know about the Corinthians? We know that the Corinthians had the spiritual gifts operating more than anyone else. Paul said, you come behind no one when it comes to gifts. Isn't that right? But yet, he called them carnal and not spiritual. So spiritual maturity can never be determined by how many gifts are operating. Spiritual maturity has to be gauged by how well you have chosen to manifest love in your life. Because it's the character and nature of God that gives the purpose of gifts. Because without that, all gifts are clinging symbols. Okay, I'm giving you a lot, but I hope that you're getting this. Okay? It's gold. I promise you. Okay, so, Galatians 1, no, 4, (laughs) 1. I mean that an heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, even though he is the owner of everything. 
Do you see that the writers of the Bible knew there was a difference between these two points? Now, a classic example of this is the bar mitzvah that Jews go through. Why is it that a child, a male child, is only considered a son in the house once he has gone through his bar mitzvah? Because he becomes of age. He becomes accountable. He becomes responsible. Do you know that to the point that they, before they have their bar mitzvah, the parents are fully responsible for the child's actions. Only after that can the child be held responsible for their own actions. Isn't that amazing? Guess what? Many of you in this room, okay, want to be mature sons. Am I right? I want to be a mature son. So this is not a, I'm not trying to say something bad about you. Okay? But how do we get to becoming mature sons? How do we get to the place where we can manifest sonship? Isn't that an important thing to understand if we want to be able to achieve the goal that's in our hearts to achieve? And so reaching a place of understanding and responsibility for the for the family business, is the first step towards becoming a mature son. Because responsibility cannot be given to a child. It has to be given to a son. A child might own everything but has no access to any of it. And even though you technically own it and legally own it, you practically don't possess it. And how many of you are tired of not possessing what is yours? So, this is the problem. Instead of finding out how to manifest sonship properly, we've practiced escapism, we've, we've practiced evacuation, and we've practiced, practiced avoidance. We've said the world's problems are their own. We are different. We, 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 that's not our problem. But how many of you know that the world's problem has suddenly become ours? So there is no such thing as the world's problem are their own. Isn't that right? Now, I believe that in this room and in this community, God is raising up a generation who are willing to take responsibility no matter the cost. No matter what is wrong in the world, you're willing to recognize that God has deposited in you what is necessary to bring change into this world lasting and effective change where we can demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. Amen? So it's not time to point out everyone else's faults and make them change. It's time to be the change. How many of you heard the saying, be the change you want to see? You know that small acts of kindness can change the world. What are the gifts of the Spirit? We've got power gifts, right? Administration gifts and so on. But then we've got something else from the Spirit. What's it called? Fruit. And what is fruit? Fruit grows on a tree. That means you have to be the right tree to produce the right fruit. Isn't that right? So if you're not, if, if you're not grafted into the right tree, then you won't produce the right fruit. So you have to be grafted into the right tree. 
That means you have to belong to Christ so that the nature and character of God can flow in and through you. That's called abiding. Does it make sense? It, does a branch abide with a tree? Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. So he wants you to abide in him as a branch abides in a tree. So that you get from the sap that's in him that brings change. The truth is, creation is not waiting for the manifestation of Christian childishness. It's waiting for the manifestation of mature sons. So, what does 1 John 3, 1 say? It says, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So God has loved us enough to call us that and to put us in that position. Would it not be a good thing for us to actually start putting it into practice? Amen? And how do we do that? Well, guys, here's the thing. How much time do I have? Okay, here's the thing. Can all of you go with me to Ephesians 4? It's not going to come up on the screen, I promise. You're going to have to use your Bible or your cell phone. going to go down to verse 10. It says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to perform for the church. Is that what your Bible says? No, it says to equip the saints. If you are a saint, then those gifts are not meant to be there to perform. They're there to equip. What does that mean? That God, through Christ, has given us certain aspects that need to be developed in each one of us. Does it make sense? Okay, watch. He says here, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is mature manhood? That's right. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that means that there is a child and there is a son that is fully grown, and there's a difference between being a child and being a fully grown son. And God has put a mechanism in the body of Christ through which he gives gifts to individuals who have made themselves available to elevate the body so that everyone can grow in every one of these areas. Because Jesus was apostolic, was he not? Was Jesus prophetic? Was Jesus a teacher? Was he a shepherd? Wow. Isn't it amazing? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't offices. What I'm saying is that those offices are meant to equip you to operate in those areas as a believer. 
Okay, just before you hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> that does happen. <laughs> okay, is that making sense to you? So each one of these, okay, is a manifestation that Christ manifested when he was walking on the earth with his own disciples. And what's very important is that we learn to, to fully grow up in every way as Christ. So this is what it says. In the rest of it, it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather in every way, in Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's the goal? The goal of everything we teach, this is from 1 Timothy, the end goal of everything we teach is love that comes from a pure heart, a clean conscience, and a sincere faith. Are you with me this morning? Because these are the things that are vitally important to us. We need to understand that love is our nature. Look, guys, many of you in this room have been looking for love when you were meant to be loved. You were meant to be loved. Listen, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He didn't say... I love you, world. Don't you love me back? Do you think God is sitting in heaven sobbing because some people didn't say, we love you too? Because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't act in a haughty way towards others. Love is patient. It is kind. Now you might say, but Mark, that's so far away from me. I lack all the patience in the world. How many of you have ever prayed for more patience and wished you never did? Because that's the reality. Okay? The reality is that the minute that you pray a prayer... Asking God for something that He's already given you, the devil will try and prove to you just how little of it you have. Because you just told him what you believe you're lacking. He now knows exactly where to poke you. Are you hearing me? So you don't pray a prayer like that because that's not what God's Word says. He says He has shared His love abroad in your heart. That you have His Spirit. His Spirit comes with the nature of God, which means the love of God is in you. Which means you don't lack patience, you don't lack kindness, you don't lack these things. You need to allow them to grow. How do you do that? You have to surrender to the nature of God that has been deposited in you by renewing your mind to understand what that nature looks like and how it's meant to respond. How many of you were able to run the comrades right out of the gate from your mother's womb? Anybody? And look, I'm just, I'm just, if I find that person, I'm going to just be so 
bamboozled. My whole example will fall flat. No one comes out of the gate speaking fluently, walking fluent, anything, nothing. If you're a baby, we celebrate that you try even though you make mistakes along the way. When my my daughter took her first step and she fell down, I didn't say, bad girl, out the house, don't come back. But that's how most Christians see their relationship with the Father. I'm good with him until I mess up. Then it's out the door, don't come back until you really feel bad about it. You know how many people I've spoken to, Christians that used to come to church? No, you know, when we're ready, we'll come to church. What does it mean when you're ready? Do you know you will never be ready to come to church? You will only get ready if you get into community, get plugged in, and get involved with the kingdom of God. That's the only way. Because it's the only way we grow. Go with me to 1 John 4. Yes, I know it's one minute. Are you guys enjoying this at least? Okay, go with me to 1 John 4. I'm hoping to close it off here. Um, Musos, you guys did a great job today. It is really hot on the stage. Well done for you. Okay, good thing I've got it in my notes here. All right. 1 John 4 verse 12. It says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Okay, think about that for a moment. If we love one another, how difficult is it to love one another? And don't you say it's easy, because I've seen you all. I love you, brother. Because God told me to. Or sometimes you think your, your distance from someone is love to them. Isn't that right? I didn't like what they did, but as long as they stay here and I stay here, I can love them from here. Imagine if God loved you like that. Would you like God to love you like that? Okay, the way God loved you is the way God wants you to love your brother. Isn't that right? Okay. Freely receive? Quite simple, isn't it? Okay. You know, if you're asking yourself the question, should I forgive someone? Then just ask yourself the question, do I want to be forgiven? Not because God is not going to forgive you, but because if you would want to be forgiven, then you should also forgive. Does that make sense? Because God has first loved us. That's why we love. God first forgave us. That's why we forgive. So I'm not saying that it's conditional, the forgiveness. I'm saying that from a heart perspective, if you're not sure whether you should forgive somebody, you should do it because you've been forgiven. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Then it says here, By this we know that we, are ab- that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. Remember, we covered that right in the beginning this morning. Okay? And it says, so we have 
come to abide in love, um, sorry, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever is perfected, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So is God love? All right. If God is love, the verse that follows on says next, as he is, so are we in this world. What's it talking about? Is it talking about power? Is it talking about manifesting gifts? No, it's talking about love. It's talking about the character and nature of God. Okay, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't operate in gifts and there shouldn't be power. I'm saying that every one of those should flow out of the nature of God. Does that make sense? Okay, so mature sons have learned how to manifest the nature of God in whatever gift they're operating in, whatever situation they find themselves in, they have learned not to make it about themselves, but to make it about His kingdom and loving other people. Does it make sense to you? Now, if you want to be the kind of son that manifests the kingdom, you have to learn how to love people who don't deserve it. What is it to you if you love those who love you? Didn't Jesus say, love your enemies, be kind to those who persecute you? So I want to leave you with this. Sonship, as much as it's about the supernatural power of God, it's also about realizing that you are a different kind of creature, that you are part of a counterculture, one that says, no, it's not about me getting my way, it's about him having his way and me getting behind it. Amen? Awesome. Thank you for your time. Have an awesome day.